fellowship, for the proof. Um, you know, what a blessing it is for us to be here. Uh, Jim and I, we are like a tag team. It seems in the last few years, the Lord uh, has made us ministry brothers. Uh, we, Jim and I have done prison ministry together. We, right now we have another ministry in our church, California. It's called the New Man, which uh, deals with a man with the affliction of, uh, of lust and pornography and whatnot. Something that all men are afflicted with, especially in these wicked days. In a, a place where some of those things are, are not a problem, but they are a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so Jim and I have been part of that for a while now. But anyway, uh, when I was invited, I was asked by Mark uh, if I need somebody to give worship. So I'm asking Jim. He's always been a blessing that way. But anyway, uh, so I wanted to come today, and as the angel invited me, and thank you for that, um, because I, I and thinking about what do I teach on, Lord? You know, so many good things I teach on. It's just the word of God is like that. But I wanted to, to, to teach on today on the defense of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And as men, that that that's everything to us. It should be. As men of God, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, for the fellowship, for this morning, for the food, for the brothers, for the worship time. But right now, we just ask God that you just uh, be with us. Uh, you be the special guest of honor here. May you be seated in the highest place. We just I love you, we adore you, we just ask God that you would be with the word and just uh, help us to fellowship around the things that you said and, and, and that you allowed to be recorded in time so that we may discuss and, and know what's in your heart. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And that's exactly it. The word of God is what's in God's heart. I mean, of all the things that were spoken during this time, of all the things that the apostles said, that Jesus said, and there were so many things. Even John said at the, at the very last verse of book of John, last chapter, last verse, John said, if we had recorded everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world, enough room in the world for all the books to write the things that he did. But the things that are written, we have, and they are to be our glory, they are to be revered. We need to hold on to them and, and, and just see them as such, that we are so blessed and, and, and lucky to have them because we're saved but we've never seen Jesus with our eyes but we've experienced him in our heart we've experienced him in every possible way except the physical but we have his word and that is physical and that is something we can touch read and be a part of and know that the Lord of David seems to, to be read and we need to hold on to him and, and value him but anyways I'll be teaching today out of Galatians chapter 1 moment to go there. A very uh, incredible book, Apostle Paul, of course, right? Uh, the, the powerful Apostle Paul, the things that he said, the things that he did before his life in Christ and after. I mean, he was sold out. Even before Christ, he was sold out. His job was to, 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 to be a Pharisee, to go against the new church, and he, he went above and beyond. Even his own contemporaries, you know, 
He, he went searching for Christians where his contemporary fellow Pharisee guys, they were just, they didn't do what he did, but he did. So when he got saved, he did the same thing. He went above and beyond. He, he was sold out. And that, that's who we have in Paul. But anyway, uh, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and read. I'll read the first five verses. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I love that he says Amen. this present evil age. You know, nothing has changed, right? We're still living in the present evil age. This age is still evil. The day, the age before we were born was evil and so on and so forth. All the way to the days of Apostle Paul as he's writing and all the way really from the beginning to Genesis. We've always been in an evil age. So here he is talking about this. Paul wrote, as you know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Okay? Um, most of the epistles, most of the writings of the New Testament are from Paul. He wrote uh, 14 epistles. Uh, nine of them, Paul presents or, or proclaims or, or announces himself to be an apostle, chosen by God. And it was necessary for him to say that and, and for a lot of reasons. One, some people disputed that, but he was. So he made it clear, I am an apostle, not because I want to be, or, or not because I, I, I chose to be. I was chosen by God, by Jesus Christ. So he said, hey, you got a problem with that? Take it up with Jesus. Yeah. So I, I, I'm an apostle according to his will. And what an honor that was for him to say that. I mean, if I was called to be an apostle, well, yeah, I would have already said that already. And, you know, you guys would have known that. Because it's an honor, man, you know. So he made sure of that. That, that was his, his, his love to be that role. He wasn't showing off. He wasn't flashing his badge. He was just saying, man. This is who the Lord called me to be, and what a blessing. Uh, so, but this book, this beginning chapter, defends the gospel, okay? As we will read in the next few verses. And, and, to, and one thing about Paul, all his writings, they were done for four reasons, right? Um, he, would, he wrote to encourage the church, because the church was new, the Christian church, that is. So he was one of the big encouragers of the church. He, he, so his writings were to encourage, to remind the church of things that, 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 that they, they need to be reminded of, to instruct them, and also to correct them. And right now we're going to read, and not always in that order, but we're going to read a little bit about the, the last one, the correction. Because Paul's about to do a little bit of house cleaning. Okay? Verses 6 and 7, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, who call you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, in King James, in that same verse, which says that you turn away from the gospel to another, I like the way King James says it. 
You turn away to another gospel, which is no gospel at all. Not another, just it's not even a gospel. Because really there's only one gospel. There's only one truth. Anything other than that is not the truth. And that's what Paul is saying. In, in verse 6, Paul, he, he, he says, I marvel at two things. Okay? Now, marvel is not your everyday word. Right? You don't always say, I, I marvel at you know, <laughs> I marvel that, that you're a Raiders fan. Now, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so on and so forth. <laughs> now, it's, it's not your everyday word, but, but you know what? It's very appropriate for this time. For this moment, for, it, it's a good explanation, a good word to describe what he's saying. Because uh, to be marveled is, is to be surprised, to be amazed, to be astonished, confused, and shocked. Now, marvel could be actually a good thing or a bad thing, right? But in this situation, it's a bad thing. In other words, Paul's saying, what in the world are you doing? What is this I'm hearing about you? I marvel. I'm blown away. I'm surprised at the things I'm hearing about you. And the reason part marvel, marvel was not that they're turning away only. But he said, but you're turning away so soon after you receive the real gospel. And we've all known people like that, right? In the Lord who, who, who showed who showed himself to be faithful, who showed himself to be a Christian, and I'm talking about baby Christians that we meet along the way, and then next you know, boom, they're walking away. And, and I'm like, what happened? I thought they were at church last week. I thought I was talking to them, and they were saying this and that, and it was all great. And now you're telling me they walked away? What's this? What happened? I marveled. That's it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and this is nothing more than the Word of God coming to truth, coming to life. Because we all remember uh, Jesus and His parables, and He gave the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, He talks about three different uh, scenarios about when people hear the gospel, the Word of God. You know, like a sower who throws out seeds, some land in good ground, bad ground, or stony ground. Well, these people that, that uh, Paul is referring to are the ones who landed, the seed that landed on the stony ground. Because the word of Jesus explaining the parable of, uh, of the stony ground. Jesus talking about the seed that fell on the stony ground in, in Mark 4, 16 and 17. 17 says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, the gospel, which we're talking about, immediately received it with gladness, right? They were happy. They were at church talking about these things. And you would never think different that they, they were going along the right road. Then Jesus says, And they have no root in themselves. And so, and to endure, they, they have no root to endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arise, and I love this part, for the word's sake, for the sake of the gospel, immediately they stumble. You see, life's going to come, we're going to go across bumps in life, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. But Jesus is not referring to those issues. 
those problems, you know, I'm short on money, I can't pay the bills, or whatever. He's talking about uh, 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 issues, tribulations that come as a result of your testimony, of the gospel, things that are related to your relationship with Christ. We may not always be ready to defend those things, whether verbally or, or inwardly, and, and we give in and we give up. Now, I can go into a big tirade about that because I know what that's like. I backslid. I gave up at one time. And not because the Word of God was not enough that I, I don't want to do this anymore. But because I, I got beat up, spiritually speaking, and I didn't have enough root in me to withstand that. And I gave in and I backslid. And there's a whole story about that which I'm not going to bore you with. But because of my lack of, of understanding, let's just say. And this happens all the time. Back, Christians backslide. But why? Because of the lack of, of root, the lack of understanding. Um, and yes, there, there, there's fault to be had by that person. But there's also, we're dealing with an enemy who is much stronger, much smarter about his ways. Much I mean, I've, I've, I've seen this quite often. You know, we have an enemy who has thousands of years of experience in doing what he does to stumble. And here we are, happy-go-lucky Christians, a year or two-year-old, and, and we think we got it together. We don't. But it doesn't matter. Not every Christian, that doesn't happen to everybody. It happened to me. It might have happened to you. It might have happened to somebody you know. But that doesn't happen to all Christians. Because some Christians do get enough fruit and they do come across problems and they do go past that. That it happened to me. Now Paul, Jesus, so so the word of God is coming to life about the the parables that Jesus talked about is now coming to life right here in, in word form in, in, in the book of Galatians. And Paul is dealing with this. So I mean so going back to Paul, Paul quickly points out that there, there's only one gospel as I said. Because any other gospel is counterfeit. It's a lie. And like the New King James Version says, it's not even a gospel at all. Okay? Anything that is different from the gospel that saved you, anything that tries to convince you from what you already know to be true because you were saved by it, is only meant to hurt and destroy you, your testimony. Now, Paul personalizes this issue by telling them what they are really doing is turning away from Christ. Because in verse 6, he says, not only did you turn away so soon, but you turned from Him who called you. Two problems, and the second one being the bigger problem. You turned away so soon, but really you turned away from Christ. That is a real issue. But this is nothing new, like I said, right? The, and, and now, this is nothing new in... in in the, in the plans of the enemy because you see nothing has changed uh, uh, this deception this twisting of words has been around even far back as Genesis Genesis chapter 3 when, when Satan tempted Eve and what did he tempt her with? how did he start? by twisting the words of God around did God really say that? Does God really mean that? Questioning God. And in questioning God, guess what he's calling God? A liar. 
So when we question God, we're no different than Satan. We're calling God a liar. That's why we're supposed to take God in His Word. That's why His Word needs to be everything. Because anything that we that we do that's contrary to the Word of God, when we know better, it's a lie. And I don't want to be in that. Uh, I've done that enough. I don't want to do that no more. Uh, so Satan's plan has been the same from the beginning and right here to the days of Paul. And guess what? It's happening right now in front of us. The twisting of God's word has resulted in what? In cults? We have them everywhere. We can go into that. Don't want to. They're everywhere. We're surrounded by them. And I'm sure around here there's churches that are a product of this lie. Uh, and guess what? Addiction could be your gospel. People can be straight away from, from that because that's more powerful than the Word of God when it takes them away. So that becomes their truth. Uh, uh, it could be a relationship, a sinful relationship with a woman. Uh, but really whatever pulls you away from the gospel has now become your gospel, your truth. And we need to own that. Okay? And guess what? No gospel at all. Paul will say the same thing to us as he, he's telling the Galatians right here. Um, now, how and now, now how were they pulled away? He talks about this in verse seven. He tells us that there are people who are troubling you and, and want to pervert the gospel. You know, they're the ones who are walking away, but he is acknowledging that it's not all. Them, there's a there's a plan at hand here, and people are, are, are causing this. Uh, you yourself, but guess what? Check this out. You yourself could be part of that people, right? I mean, you're already a good liar. <laughs> you you're already a good manipulator, a good schemer. And when I say you, I'm not. I'm saying we, right? How many times have we talked ourselves out of good things? How many times have we been our own worst enemy? So we could be part of that group. I mean, because what is backsliding is in, in the spiritual world, that's big business. It happens. Paul is trying to do something here. He's not just out to whip them and shame them. He's saying, check out, this is what I'm hearing, this is what you're doing. He really, he's kind of gathered them back in. Come on back. Yeah, you did what you did. Come on back. Let's fix this. Because a backslider, and trust me, as I said, as experienced as I have, as I backslid, with my background, we don't count the cost. We don't see that there's a heavy price to pay for backsliding. I mean, and backsliding is really a result of selfishness. Only thinking about yourself, woe is me, woe is me, whatever. But selfishness never counts the cost. I mean, if we're willing to, and check this out, if we're willing to backslide and neglect our relationship to the gospel, to the Lord, and that at the time is the biggest thing in our life, what else are we going to neglect after that? Everything, right? We put our, our, a lot of things at risk. We put our marriage, our kids, a lot of things. And they become, if we can put, make Jesus second, then they get, get put down and even further down the list. So there's a lot, a lot to consider. I mean, 
just a couple weeks ago, maybe a little longer, three, four weeks ago actually, I did a memorial for my brother-in-law. And my brother-in-law was, was backslidden for years. And he lost his life, the OD. But there was a time when my brother-in-law was serving Christ. And he was a, he was doing great. And then things happened and he fell away. So I have to do, I have the duty of coming up to this memorial and not just say, oh, he's in a good, better place. And he was, trust me, he was a Christian. But I had to come clean for him. Okay. Hey, he walked away. We know this. He wasn't serving Christ. We know this. I'm not going to neglect that truth. But I know a bigger truth that he gave his life to Christ. And not only that, I am an eyewitness to that time when he lived for Christ. That I'm not just saying because I want to feel better about him that he's in heaven. I'm saying he's in heaven because that's the God we serve. Because he was outnumbered and outboxed and outpowered by an enemy. And the enemy might have think he won because now my brother-in-law is gone. But really the Lord said enough. Come home now. And my brother-in-law no longer has to fight that fight that he was losing. Whatever. But you know, this is what happens in the backseat world. Now my brother-in-law, in respect to what he did, can't talk about all the things that happened after he got saved for years, you know. And here I am. I've actually, I've been saved 40 years this year. Me and Mark. 1982, man. We're... <laughs> We're like the class of 82. <laughs> now I backslid in 84. And that, that was a horrible year for me. But I got saved. I'm not saying that. We dedicated my life in 85. And now I can talk about all the things that happened from 85 to, to, to the present. Good and bad. A lot of good and bad, trust me. But, but I, can, I have a testimony now. And now my brother-in-law, his testimony stopped a long time ago. But he's in heaven. So this is what happens, right? We don't want to be in the, fall into a place where the enemy has victory. Now verse 89, Paul wants to... Now Paul tells him, this is what you've done. And this is what's been done to you. And now Paul wants to give absolute value to the gospel of Jesus. So much so that he puts his own name on the line. And let's read about this. Verse 89. But even if we, <coughs> even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you, that what we have received, that what you have received, let him be accursed. He says in verse 8 that we gave you the, the proper gospel, the truthful gospel. But but as I said, he put his own name on the line because, because two times he said, if anybody, me or anybody else, commit a spiritual crime on you by twisting the word of God, let him be accursed. Now, to be accursed is to be someone who has a curse on them. Okay? Self-explanatory. Now, someone who has a curse on them is somebody who is damned, doomed, and condemned. 
Now in those days, that was a serious thing. If you were known to be have a curse on you, people would stay away from you. They want nothing to do with you because they don't want any part of that curse. Whatever you did, keep your curse away from me, from my family, and, and you would be shunned. So he's saying, you know, treat me as such if I do this. And anybody else for that matter, shun me. Keep me away from you, from your family. Because this is how, how important it is to, 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 to preserve the Word of God. That if anybody messes it or changes it in any way, let them be accursed. You know, the Word of God tells us in Revelation that if you change anything of the Word of God, you are condemned. Right? So this, the Word of God always repeats itself because sometimes we need to hear it over and over and over. But it's always the same truth. As we read about the parable of the, about the sword that we see in coming to life. In this chapter, so Jesus wasn't talking about something that, that might happen. There's something that was happening in His time and, and not in and now our time, we see this over and over and over. Uh, Paul is basically saying, keep away from me, okay, or anybody. And the Word of God always repeats itself. In Romans uh, chapter uh, 1, talking about the world, Paul, he says, uh, uh, the, the world exchanged the truth for a lie. They preferred the lie instead of the truth that was presented to them. Like, hey, that's on them. It was given to them, and this is what they chose. And in Galatians, talking to the Galatians, because Paul had to do this a few times, clean house up a little bit. He did it in Galatians, and, and, and now he's talking, in the book of Romans, he was talking to the world. Now he's talking to the church. He said, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That's pretty heavy duty. Who has? Evil eyes your mind. Who has given you? Wish you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Now let me tell you, that is the gospel, okay? What's the gospel, right? It's not a whole list of what the gospel, the framework that is Christian, we need to hold on to and never and, 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 and never negotiate in any form or way. Is that Jesus Christ is God who came on earth and died on the cross for our sins. And then we can't be saved by any other name except the name of Jesus. Amen. Anything outside of that or anything that tries to change that is an attack on our gospel. And we are to fight for that, fight against it, and, and also fight to preserve the gospel. And, and we fight to preserve it by learning it, teaching it, agreeing on it and locking arms with brothers and not letting nothing get past us. The Lord, the word, the Lord tells us that the, that the church, the gates of hell will not prevail. And that gives, that to me gives me a vision of, of a fight. That not that the, the, the gates of hell won't try to go through, it's that they are trying to go through, but they won't get through. The, the fight is constant and always but we have the strength of God to never let it happen. Okay? Now, verse 10. For I do not persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 
But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by men is not according to me. It's not my gospel is what I'm saying. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now the value of the gospel is measured by what? By the gospel. Not by man, not by what man says or what man thinks. We measure the gospel by the gospel. The word of God is its own judge. Okay? in its own defender. And all we have to do is just agree with it and protect it and pass it on. Not change it or put our spin on it as so many have. And that's easy to do because Paul is saying, you know, hey, I do not persuade men. Because he was a Pharisee at one time, right? Now, if you don't, uh, one thing about the Pharisees, they were the high priests of the time, but a lot of what they were teaching was not even biblical according to them. They were, they were teaching a lot of traditions that were added on by other Pharisees before them, and that became their teaching. You know, they weren't given words to teach. I mean, they were handed what to teach. And he was saying, hey, this is not me anymore like, like I used to be. This is something different. This is the gospel that was handed to me by God. Uh, uh, so the value of, God, of the gospel is only, is only measured by the gospel, is what I'm saying. Uh, the gospel, what, uh, what he was sharing, came directly from the re revelation from Jesus himself. Now this happened to Paul on the road to Damascus when he was saved. Jesus said, hey, what are you doing? You know, when he when, when he stopped him on his tracks. And, and he was on his way to persecute the church. And, and, and the Lord spoke to him from heaven. What are you doing? Who, who are you, Lord? Now, Paul didn't know that it was Jesus, but whoever it was, it was God. Because he's talking from heaven, no matter who it is. Because when Jesus says, I am Jesus, it, it revealed himself to Paul. Paul never said, Whoa, you're Question him, he didn't say, I know who you are. No. When he realized, when Jesus made himself known to him, he knew, oh shoot. Oh shoot. They were right. <laughs> they were right. He busted. And he and he knew himself to go to, he was on his way to go persecute Christians. So he thought, I'm done. It's almost like being cornered in an alley, like, I'm a dead man. This is where Jesus is going to get me because I was wrong. And instead, Jesus says, no, i got something better for you. Something else for you. This is why Paul was so grateful, right? Because he thought, I thought I was a dead man. And instead, I've been given not only another chance, I've been given an assignment. And this is us too. I thought I was a dead man. But instead, I've been given an opportunity to live. But to live for something so great, so powerful. It's like, oh my God. He was grateful, man. And he should be. And we should be. Because what happened to him on the mass has happened to you. I don't know to you. I know that. Me and so, you know what I'm saying? This happened to us. We were saved at one point through the plan of God when we should, really should have been dead. 
we should have been killed. We should have, whether he killed us on the spot or allowed us to live a sinful life to get what we deserve, it doesn't matter. He didn't, he, he stopped that. And Paul is saying, you, and then Paul says, you can trust me only because the gospel is not from me. I too, re I received it. That's why the only reason why you can trust me. I'm not trying to persuade you with my words. Let me tell you something. Paul is a smart dude. He was an educated Pharisee, by the way. He wasn't just a regular run-of-the-mill Pharisee. He said at one point, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was well beyond and above my contemporaries. Those of my age level, I was at a higher level because of my, my, my desire to be bigger and better. So he said, so basically he said, I could have come in. And, and, and kind of washed your brain and kind of said it my way, but I would not dare to do such a thing. He, you know, he didn't want that. Uh, Paul's ministry as an apostle required him to be on the constant lookout for deceivers. Because if you read a lot of his writings, as I mentioned about Corinthians and even in Romans, he's talking about this thing. Paul was the perfect man for this job, by the way, to, to protect and to warn. Against deceivers, because you see, Paul was that guy. And we'll read about it right here, right now, in verse 13. He says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my, my contemporaries, as I mentioned earlier, in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's room and called me through His grace for to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with the flesh and blood. As a Christian, we are called to defend the gospels He's talking about. And we are called to be instructed and strengthened by the gospel. As we see Paul do so. Now, now Paul never grew weary of, of, I said that he warned the Christians many times through the, through the gospel, but he never grew weary of that. That was his passion. That was his, like, like a father looking after a, a rebellious child. You know, you know, a father, a good father is never going to give up on his child. I tried, I, I did my best. No, man, he, he always, always tried, because that was his, that was his passion. And he said, and in Philippians chapter 3, he says so. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same things, because he's repeating himself, as he might have another time, for me to write the same things is not tedious. I'm not burned out on this. But for you it is safe. It's for your own safety. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Mutilation of what? Mutilation of gospel. He, he calls these people dogs now. Right? And he's being truthful. Beware of these evil dogs who are instruments of the enemy, who only care about themselves and don't care about you. Who they're not, as I said earlier, counting the cost. They're not counting the cost for you. You know? One thing about about teaching and preaching is that 
I'm very weary myself personally about what I say and how I say it, only because there might be a young brother who might say he's right, but what if I say it wrong or what if I am wrong? Now my life becomes this truth. When we used to teach at the prison, it was a very interesting thing because, because in the prison, we are filled with a little bit of everything, right? You got some, 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 some students of the Bible in there who know the Bible more than me, a lot more than me. There was one brother in there who was teaching, learning how to speak Hebrew, and he was a homeboy. And, and he, I said, he was telling me I'm learning Hebrew. I said, yeah, talking in Hebrew. Yeah, he was learning Hebrew. And I said, why, why are you learning that? What, 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 what? That's, a, that's my Lord's language. That's what he spoke. And that means something to me. Like, wow. He was, plus I'm locked up. What else am I going to do? But you know, Paul's locked up. It's so easy to detect 
that we are still surprised that people fell for that and they keep falling for now it's a big organization, right? But the truth is the truth. And the lie is sometimes easy to detect, sometimes not so easy. But those who hold the truth to the most value are not going to fall for that. But that did Joseph Lee would have come around my neighborhood and start spouting stuff like that. We would have run him out. Get out of here with that nonsense. Right? And, and, and the same with Jehovah's, the same with other Scientology. It all sounded good and they have parts of truth, but it took a bunch of weak Christians who don't really know the truth to follow that and become something with that. And now they, you know, like Paul said, you know, Jesus said, talked about the, the Pharisees. He goes, you know, you, you go to faraway lands to find uh, uh, somebody, uh, a Judaizer, to, 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 to witness them, to make them part of your sect. And when they do, they become even more dead than they and, and, and that's the truth. So this is all a spiritual battle. It always was. It always will be. Don't, don't be deceived by that. We're fighting an enemy. And, and remember, in, 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 in the ministry of the Lord, how many times did Jesus deal with, with uh, chasing demons out, with, uh, with dealing with that? I mean, for, for we do not wage, the Word of God tells us, for we do not wage against flesh and blood. Right? Ephesians 6, so, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take upon, take on take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That is our protection. Take up the whole armor. And what is the armor? Well, we can break it down the Word of God does, but our armor is the Word of God, the truth of God. That cannot be penetrated. Even if we allow it to penetrate our life, that doesn't mean it's the, the word of God is not true. That means we we blew it. But the word of God is our armor. That's our protection. And, and then I'll end with this. As I said, we we've seen the enemy, the Lord, deal with with a. Uh, The spiritual battle came to the front stage of him when he uh, when he dealt with people who were possessed and, and, and people who were I mean who were crippled people who didn't all these a lot of times there was a lot of spiritual battle in that person's life. As a matter of fact, when he sent out the the, the disciples in uh, I think Mark ten when uh, when he sent them out and they came back. Says the Lord of God tells us that the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Even the first thing they mentioned to him, the demon, it's a spiritual battle. We're not always aware of that, but that's all it ever is. And verse 18 tells us when they came back, he says, And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall 
by any means hurt me. And then he says, but nevertheless, you have power, by the way. Did you know that? As a Christian, we have authority and we have power. You know, to, to, to deal with, with, with principalities, to deal with demons. But he says, but don't let it go to your head, by the way. Because this is not your authority. This is not your power. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the serpents are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I mean, that kind of brings it home. This is not about you. It never is. And, and what did Paul say? This is not about me. These are not my words. This is the revelation given to me. So we have a responsibility, not only as men, as fathers, as husbands, as anything, to protect the gospel, to keep it pure, to keep our crazy ideas out of it, to keep our opinions out of it, and just teach it for what it says, and let that be the strength behind our words. Right? I, I, I forgot who it was we said about the gospel. Was it Worthy? Worthy? About if you let the gospel, the gospel's like a lion. Just open the cage and let it out and let it take care of itself. You know, just preach the gospel, it'll take care of itself. And when it takes care of itself, it takes care of you. And that's what we want, that's what we're looking for. A young church like this, man, that's what well, your pastor right there. I'm making him responsible, and I know he is, to protect the gospel, because in so doing, he's going to protect you and all the others who are here. And he's going to protect a good name on that door, on that window, so that nobody could ever drive by and say, I'm they're teaching a different gospel. Let that be somebody else's blame, not this place. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for... for the responsibility, for the honor we have in standing up and believing something so much greater than us. What an incredible honor it is to, to represent you. You could have left us and you have it been just fine. But you did it, Lord. You, you rescued us from the flames and then you gave us a message. You gave us orders. Help us, God, to move forward with your orders, to be your messengers, and that nobody would ever put blame on us, that we would never be accursed, as Paul said. Help us never have, have that wrap on us. May your truth be your, may our truth be your truth, and your revelation be our revelation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.